What's up, Hope City? Hey, everybody. What's up, everybody? My name, if you do not know me, is Megan Gardner. My husband, Pastor Jono, and I are one of the associate pastors here at Hope City. We love having church with y'all on Sunday right now. We love getting to make church happen, so you'll see us running around on Sundays. Maybe you won't because we're in the back room or wherever we are. I want to say hello to everybody watching online, my church family. Right now, if you're at the lake, you're having an awesome Memorial Day weekend. What's up, everybody? Normally, I'm on the other side of the camera out there welcoming you guys to church. Deja did an amazing job. Um, she's going to keep segueing. Yes, amazing job. Now I'm on this side of the camera. Feels pretty good. Pretty good to be on this side. Normally, we're talking to Pastor Jason, Pastor Katie's message last week, just fire. And I'm super excited to get the opportunity to speak to you today. I'm always honored every time I get an opportunity to speak. Don't take it lightly. So thank you for tuning in wherever you're watching. If you're listening to this later, if you're here with us right now, welcome right now. You know, it's been about eight months, I think, a minute since I've been up here. It's been a little while, so I'm a little bit, you know, going to soak this up for a second because it feels really good. But I was thinking about it, preparing for this message, and it's been so long. I'm like, you know, a lot's happened to these people and to me since we spoken together last. I'm staring at everyone here, and you're all wearing masks, so that's new. Pandemic happened this year. Let's recap 2020 for a minute, okay? Kind of talk about Wow, we've been through a lot in nine months-ish, almost 10 months now. Goodness. Do you guys remember the toilet paper shortage we had this year? That was great. Going to the grocery store, can't find paper towels or maybe all that's that you can find is paper towels. There's no toilet paper. I remember Pastor Jono and I bought like a $27 pack of eight on Amazon. And I was like, this can't be forever, please, Lord. <laughs> It's, it's been a big year. We lost Kobe Bryant this year. RIP the legend, just tragically awful. We almost lost Australia this year, a whole continent to fire. Awful. California still under siege right now, fires raging all the time, like goodness. Riots and protests still happening now. Just hearing about it yesterday, I'm like texting people like, is Louisville safe right now? Like, are we safe? Are we good? Like, this, this is an emotional year already. I cannot believe it, but we lost Black Panther. What? Like, I cannot take one more tragic thing happening. It's 2020, y'all. Give it up for 2020. <laughs> it's almost over. It's almost, we got a couple more months, but I don't know. A church shut down this year, so it's fine. But kind of leads me into what I want to talk about today. Um, because every time I keep running into people and through the midst of this chaos and this incredible year that we're having, I always ask them, how are you? And I keep getting the same response. So if everyone can say it with me, and why don't you add a little shoulder shrug uh, while you're at it, because that's usually what happens, and just say, I'm fine. Go ahead, try it. Everybody at home, I'm fine. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, it's a pandemic and everything, but fine. It's a term that we all use way too much. We hear way too much, especially in church. All the time. I'm fine. How are you doing? No, really? Are you okay? Yeah, no. It's, it's fine. I contracted the coronavirus, but I'm fine. I'm dealing with it. No. How are you? 
We hear it too much. Because if, if we take a second, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Normally I do. I won't do that this time. But think, okay, about everybody in the room, everybody watching online, the extension of people here. If I go about the room and we think about it, you've probably had a not great year. You've probably been tested for the coronavirus at least once, if not more, many times. You know somebody who might have had the virus. You might have had the virus yourself and quarantined, experienced the whole quarantine thing. You might have known a loved one that's already passed away from it. That's big stuff. We all, I know it seems like we're dealing with our own thing, but if you think about it, we're all kind of dealing with similar stuff. I bet you've gone into a lobby of a restaurant or something. They say, nope, close, call us delays, waiting for things to come in. Your work right now is flooded, is overwhelmed. You're working double, triple overtime right now just to compensate for the things that are going on. Or you lost your job altogether this year. <laughs> you were sent home completely with hardly any warning and possibly no pay at all. Wondering, what am I going to do? How are we going to survive? I've got to live off the government. This doesn't feel good. Right? You've experienced delays in your birthdays. We can't, we have put all those birthdays off, all the vacations. Listen, my neighbor who's been waiting for over a decade to see her daughters in Uganda, she's from there. Visas have been getting delayed and they're getting, you know, horrible things for the last 10 years. This year was their year to see their kids, to see her children. And the pandemic happened and she couldn't go see them. We're experiencing these awful emotional situations, and I know you're in it with me right now. I bet you know somebody who's been in the hospital this year, and you couldn't go see them. Somebody probably had a baby or, you know, came across a sudden illness, and you want to be there with them. I know a friend on Facebook who, her sister went into a coma, and she had little kids, and her kids couldn't even be there when their mom woke up from coma. It's a tough year we're in right now. And we're all experiencing it together. And on top of all of this, sweet August rolls around. And on top of you working from home and trying to troubleshoot things and manage your life and finances and marriage and all that, now you're managing all of your children's schoolwork at the same time, realizing we're not meant to be teachers, all of us. I, I cried two times the first week of school, you guys. NTI, it's kicking my butt. It should be a cuss word, whoever submits words to be cuss word, I submit it because the week was only Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I cried <laughs> like every day, broke down. But I'm just trying to manage it, just trying to troubleshoot and find answers, and I don't know, we'll get through this. How long is this going to last? I don't know. That's always the question. And then at the end of the day, how are you? How was your day today? I'm good. I'm fine. It's whatever. I'm dealing with it. We're honestly not that honest as people. And today, that's what I want to talk about. The problem with the answer, I'm fine, when really, we're not. And maybe you do it for a bunch of different reasons, okay? So we'll try to justify it for a second. So maybe, maybe you don't like to talk about your feelings because you've never really talked about your feelings. Oh, that's not something we do in our family. You know, we barely even say I love you. Like, we're not huggers. We don't do that. So talking about my feelings, like, is it's not something like I've ever really done. I don't experience that. I don't really, I wouldn't know what to say if somebody asked me how I was. If I could really even try to describe it, I just don't even have the words. Maybe that's you. 
Or maybe it just happens so much. The pain, the chaos, the anxiety, the stress happens every day that now it's just normal. I'm fine, yeah, I, I deal with this every day. Like, this, this, this has become my life, so I'm managing, I guess. Or maybe you just don't want to be a burden on somebody else, and you think that people don't care enough to hear you. But today, I want to let you know that God is ready to check in on you and hear you and wants to know how you're doing. Today, I want to talk about being honest with God about how we feel. Aren't you excited you came to church today? <laughs> We're going to talk about our feelings. I do. I want to talk about this. Because we're masters of pushing away and not dealing with what's really going on in our lives. Masters of it. I believe it's important because as much energy as we put into caring about our physical health, we're at the gym, we're working out, we're doing great, let's talk about New Year's resolutions, our spiritual health, let's worship, I'm going to read my Bible this year, it's going to be great, and our mental health, yeah, like I have a good positive attitude, I'm fine. We go far too long without dealing with our emotional health, with our heart, with our feelings. And it's hard to talk about them, I know, but today that's what I want to do. I want us to be real with ourselves and really gauge how mature we are because, believe it or not, everyone sitting and listening to me now has a level of emotional maturity, and you might not know where you are right now, what level you're at. Okay, there's... Bad, I feel bad. Here's this level. We're going to try and go a little bit deeper today. I'm talking about your ability to manage and express the emotions that arrive from the things that you learn and experience, okay? Your ability to manage your emotions. And you're like, oh, that's fine. Like, I don't, I'm fine. I manage very well. You know, I'm not clawing my eyes out every day. Oh, really? Think about it. Have you ever been so angry that you blew up in someone's face? You completely lost it, maybe to a loved one or a family member or maybe a coworker? You yelled and screamed at them? Have you ever been so frustrated and tense and overwhelmed and things just building up in your life that you wanted to punch something? Or have you? Have you put the hole in the wall? Because these are the real emotions that we deal with. And if we've never talked about him before, God says it's time. Let's be honest. If you ever wanted to just give up under the pressure or under the weight, nobody hears me, nobody feels what I'm feeling right now. This is too much for me to handle. And you just want to give up, start over. I just need a reset. Have you ever felt that way? The good thing is, if you have, you're definitely not alone. Because I'm standing here admitting the same exact way. And you're also still qualified to be a Christian. That's the good news. Today we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to learn that being Christian still means you get angry. Still means that you get anxiety. Still means that you have mental breakdowns. Being human means being Christian. Following Jesus and loving him doesn't require us to be robots or not. We are real people experiencing real life that brings on real emotions, and we're going to learn that today. 
It's going to show us how it's okay to be depressed. It's going to show us how it's okay to not be able to deal. It's just not okay to stay there. And it's certainly not okay to lie about it. So let's look into this. Today, I just want to tell you one more time that God wants us to move beyond I'm fine into I'm honest. Everybody say that with me. I'm honest. I'm honest. Maybe you're honest with your spouse. That's great. Maybe you're honest with your mom. You call her once a week. Your best friend, call them once a week, whoever it is. But today, let's be honest with God. So I know there's a little bit of anticipation. Where are we going to read in the Bible today? Well, I'm about to tell you. We are going to be looking at a guy named Elijah. Everyone say Elijah. Elijah in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there, and I'll give you a little bit of background before we start reading in Scripture. It's going to be 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 3, going through about verse 7, okay? If you bring your Bible to church and you're going to heaven, say amen. I'm just going to turn this beautiful little Bible right here. Everyone's like, no, Megan, I have my app. It's fine. I read my Bible on my phone. It's on the screen, Megan. Why would I bring my Bible? Bring your Bible to church. I like it. All right, so a little bit of background about Elijah. This dude is a good dude, man. Loves Jesus. He's a prophet. Loves Jesus. Loves God. Old Testament, okay? Let's be correct about that. Loves God. He's a prophet. But in this time right now, there's another character, a couple of them, in this little story I'm about to tell you right now. His name is King Ahab, okay? King Ahab's a bad dude. Anyway, he believes in this God called Baal, all right? So King Ahab believes in this God called Baal. It's not our God. Elijah believes in the Lord God, okay? He's prophesying, telling everybody about God, and there's this lady named Jezebel who's working with King Ahab, and they're trying to get rid of all the prophets in the land, and Elijah's one of them. So they're literally going around using the power that they have, and they're killing these people, all right? That's where we pick up here in 1 Kings. So Jezebel says to King Ahab, like, I'm, I'm going to get this to I'm going to get Elijah because he really, really loves God and is telling everybody about him. We're going to kill him. So she gives him a death threat. She literally says, if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as I killed them, may God strike me and even kill me. So she swears, like, I will get you. And this isn't like... Your neighbor threatened to call the cops on you. Okay, this is a death threat. I'm going to kill you. Your life will be over. This is it. And this is where we pick up with Elijah, okay? Let's start reading chapter 19 and verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid. Very first part of the scripture right there. A guy who loves God prophesies to people about God, still gets afraid. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. 
get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, a lot of us read this scripture and we think, oh, Elijah was sad. No, he was not just sad. He wants to die. He's not just sad. I don't know what it is. Like, we just like to numb ourselves, even when we read the Bible, and like not experience what's really going on here. But Elijah is at his breaking point. And a lot of us have been there too. The weight and the stress of a death threat? I don't think I could personally, I'm 27 years old. I got three kids. It's immediately what I would think about. My family, my future. It's a death threat on my life. The anxiety and stress is to the max right here. To the max with Elijah. He's not just bummed out, okay? That's where we find him. And I've learned just reading this and kind of processing through my own emotions and how we people as process emotions, and I've come to know that we handle anxiety two different ways. And you fall into one or the other category. I'd like to share with you which one that you might be, okay? Kind of think about that, all right? So how we respond naturally to anxiety and stress, you're either this person who tries to control all their circumstances, okay? This kind of reminds me of like King David, okay? Trying to put pieces back together frantically when he makes mistakes, all right, control. If this is you, this kind of looks like if you're an essential worker right now, and you are working triple time, like you can't take a day off, like the stress is building up, like my body is tense. You come home and you clean and you garden and you fix things and you avoid talking about what is going on. You wanna touch something, you wanna control something. So you're planning things and you're filling up your schedule and you're calling so-and-so and you're doing, 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 doing to avoid what's really going on. You feel out of control, so you're desperately trying to find something that you can control, okay? That might be you. That doesn't sound like you. You probably fall into the second category, which is you completely shut down. Completely. This kind of looks like when something happened, you, you know, you're to your max, you go home, you shut off the lights, and you sleep. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm tired all the time right now. Like, I'm just, you're, you're shutting down is what's happening. You stop answering your phone. You start saying no to plans, passing up on opportunities a lot. You start just, you binge watch some TV for a really long time. Nah, it's all right. You call into work. You're getting sick more. You find your body just, you're falling under the weather more than often. You're reclusing into yourself because you're avoiding what's really going on internally inside your heart. We're great at this. Coping mechanisms, whatever you want to call them, but this is how we've learned in the society to manage our stress and to deal with it. Oh, we'll just go, if you control your circumstances, we're just going to go shopping. We're going to go shop. I need to blow off some steam. I need to, we're going to spend some money. We're just going to take a weekend, get away, and we're just going to go away. We're going to have a fun trip. You know, it's been stressful in our marriage. We're just going to go. We're going to go to a cruise, and everything's going to be good. Or you completely shut down. You're like, oh, no, we're not doing anything. I, you know, I need two weeks off. What for? I, I just, I, mean, I can't really handle things. I'm just, I'm stressed out right now. Like, I need two weeks off. I'm just going to, This is actually where we find Elijah. 
This is his personality type, completely shutting down from the weight and the stress of trying to deal with this emotion in his life. This is it. So he falls asleep out of sheer exhaustion, recluses into himself, and blocks out the world. But I don't want to leave this message talking about Elijah today without giving you some practical thought and application. So I want to talk about being honest, and I want to talk about what Elijah said here and why it's important that all this happened to him. So I have three things that we need to truly be honest with God. Okay? Let's look at these scriptures again. Number one is solitude. Mm-hmm. I say the word solitude, and some of you are like, that sounds amazing. I need to get away. Other of you, you know, other people are like, nah, trying to be alone with myself. That's not very, I don't like that. But verse 3 says, he left his servant. And then on verse 4, it says, he went alone into the wilderness. He got alone. Why? <laughs> I'm about to tell you. Because when you're alone and there's no other voices around, you know what you hear? Your own thoughts. And they're not always good. See, getting alone means there's nobody else's influence going on. Nobody else can tell you how to think, how to feel, how to act. The only one that's there is you and God. So you can't help but be honest with him. Get alone. He said, I've had enough. Enough, Lord. I'm tired of this. <laughs> We're seriously masters of like trying to, like inviting people over to our house, you know, trying to go out. Like, I, you know, I just need to hang out. We don't really know why we need people in our life so much. Well, maybe it's because you are overwhelmed. You're calling all these people, trying to fill your time to do things, when really you need to process what is going on eternal, internally inside of you. <laughs> the other reason why we really need to get alone also is because you are a completely different person when there's people around. Completely different person. If you don't believe me, Pastor Jason said it too. I remember when he was up here saying, you know, it's funny, like, when other people are around, like, you pray different. And ever since he said that, I was like, no, I don't. And ever since he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's so true. He's like, whenever people are in the room, he's like, I feel the pressure to just be like, heavenly father. God, we come before you today. Like, I don't say that when I'm alone with God. We don't call him heavenly father. We act different when people are around. It just, I don't know what it is or why we do it. You know, it's not being fake. Maybe it is. Or it's just like this pressure we feel from other people to perform and to be around them and to be somebody else that's inauthentic or whatever you want to call it. The good thing is, too, y'all don't know the Elijah of chapter 18. We just read Elijah in chapter 19. He's losing it. He's stressed out. This year's been awful to him. But you don't know the Elijah of chapter 18. The Elijah of chapter 18 is a completely different person because what he does in front of a bunch of people is call down fire from God. And he literally is cocky, arrogant. I'll read you a scripture really quick. Blow your mind difference in this guy. So funny. 
So these guys are believing in Baal, which is the, you know, not God. And he believes in God. And he literally is like, all right, cool. So if that's true, we'll prove it. You pray to your God and we'll have him call down fire from heaven. And if it happens, we'll know he's real. Over here, we'll have us call down fire from our God, God, the God. And then if it happens, cool. So he's like, you guys go first. It's fun. Like knowing what's going to happen. Elijah literally says this as they're praying right now, like nothing's happening, you know, call down fire from heaven. This is Elijah, just one chapter earlier, one chapter earlier. He says, I think you're going to have to shout louder. He scoffed. For surely he is a God. Perhaps he's dreaming or relieving himself. (laughs) Or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and he needs to be awakened. So you should shout a little bit louder. That's Elijah, the same dude who's like one chapter later breaking down because this lady said, I'm going to kill you, and she's killed plenty of people, so he knows that threat is real, but emotionally distraught and tormented in anguish and just depressed, the same dude. Because when people are watching, there's a facade. But when you're alone, there's no more walls, There's no more show. It's just you and God, and that's it. And some of us are not okay with being with ourselves. And so we're not okay with being with God alone. But we need solitude in order to have honesty. We do. The second thing we need after a little bit of solitude is we need strength. We need some strength. What happened to Elijah? Well, the angel woke him up out of that sleep, and here's some bread, and here's some water. Like, there's bread and water. That didn't shock Elijah at all, because he knows God. He knows angels. He knows this. This is what he lives. He's a prophet. He wakes up, and he eats the bread, and he falls back to sleep again. Why is it so important that we need strength? Why do we have to eat? Because have you ever been around you when you're hungry? You're not cool at all. Some of y'all roll up in here on Sunday mornings and you're like, got a cup of coffee. That's it. Like, you need nourishment. You need health. Some of you don't struggle too much with this because you love physical health. You know, your beach body in it. That's real big right now. But some of you, you are eating too many hot dogs and chips and like, pay attention to what you put in because it's what you get out. Have you ever heard the term, you are what you eat? Dumb people did not make that term up. Longevity and clarity comes from eating right and filling your body up with nourishment. You want to work eight, nine, ten-hour days. Oh, I forgot. I skipped lunch. Dang, I skipped breakfast. But You're not the best mom, the best leader, the best father that you can be when you're starving your body of the nutrition that it needs. Listen. Psych Central says this, fluctuations in blood sugar also can change your mood. High blood sugar often can lead to irritability, while low blood sugar can bring about feelings of anxiety, depression, and lethargy. Research also suggests that low levels of vitamins, mineral deficiencies, emotionally is jacked up. It says if you have any deficiency, your move may be improved simply by changing your diet. And you didn't expect that, did you? You didn't expect God to give him some bread. No, because we don't expect bread or cake or food from God. We expect condemnation. 
when we're feeling low, right? We expect God to say, why are you complaining? I've been so good to you. You're going to go to heaven if you die. Why are you complaining about your life here? No. But see, God cares about our honest feelings. Even though you think he might not, he does. And he will do what he can to pull those feelings out of you and get some honesty finally out of you because healthy relationships are built on honesty. If we have them here, we have to have them there. And equally as important in strength, you know, feeding ourselves, what's very important that Elijah did was a rest. You see, the first time that Elijah fell asleep here in the scripture, he's shutting down. He's reclusing into himself because he's on the run. He literally is running for his life. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I've been going way too long, doing, doing, doing. I shut down completely because I cannot handle this stress. So he eats, wakes up, eats, and he falls back to sleep. And this is true rest after he's nourished himself and taken care of his body. Because you know that there's a difference between sleep and rest. Huge difference, huge difference between sleep and rest. You know you are not resting when your head hits the pillow at night. And this is just going, 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 going. And you need 15 melatonin and a prayer and another prayer and some soft music just to fall asleep. That is not rest. God desires for you to rest, to take time to nourish yourself and to replenish your strength. Listen to the definition of rest. To cease work or movement in order to relax Refresh oneself or recover your strength. Recover. So I'm telling you, it's okay right now to go home and buy a hammock. Like, you need rest in your life. And again, it's anti-cultural. We don't tell you to go home and rest. We're like, go home, get three hours of sleep, wake up, do it all the next day. Am I right? Go, go, go. We need you here. We need you to perform. We need you to get over what's going on with you right now. You have a job to do. That's what people are desiring for us, but God is desiring for us to push, pause, and stop, and process. You are not okay right now. And for you to be 100% over here where your family needs you, where your boss needs you, where life needs you, you have to take a look at your emotional health here. Stop and rest. You have to do it. And then the third thing you need after rest is silence. Also a little bit scary if none of you like silence. Have you ever tried to just drive with quiet? No radio, no worship, nothing. The answer isn't always worship. Worship is great for fixing our mood. It's great. We love praising Jesus. It puts us in a great, you know, Spot, it really does. But the answer isn't always that because worship is topical. Someone sat down and wrote it about a topic and it's not always what we're going through. Sometimes you're listening to a certain song and a couple words are what you're dealing with and you're crying and you're like, this is perfect, exactly what I needed. But like, there's actually another reason why you're crying that you haven't even touched a deeper level of you that you need to address. Shut the music off. Silence. 
If we continue reading in chapter 19, at, at the end of that scripture that we read, it's talked about a journey. Like, you have to nourish yourself or, or you won't make this journey. What journey was he talking about? Following along in the chapter, it was to a mountain called Mount Sinai that God was sending Elijah to. Go, go up, climb this mountain. You need your strength to do it. You need to be right in your head. Let's go. Let's talk. So he does. He goes up in chapter 19. I'm going to continue at verse 11. He says, he's at this mountain, and God says to him, hey, Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. So he comes to the edge, and, okay, God, I'm here. I remember how he is stressed and tense. He wants to die, y'all. Like, I've had enough. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. An earthquake, y'all. Not just, oh, it shook. The whole mountain is shaking, an earthquake. That's scary, even. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after this fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Everyone say a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went on and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? How are you, really? God said to him, why have you gone this far and not talked to me yet? What are you really wanting right now? How are you feeling, Elijah? That's what he says. And so Elijah on this mountain replies to God and he says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. I've served you, God. I've done everything right, God. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. My friends, God, the people I do life with, they're not here. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. This is what God wanted from Elijah this whole time why he brought him all the way up there. Because he wanted a moment of honesty with Elijah. And God can handle it. When's the last time you were honest with him about how you felt right now? Did you tell God that you blame him for what's happened to you? Did you tell God that you're stressed and that you've had enough? Did you tell God the things that you don't tell your spouse? That right now, God, I don't know if I want to continue. Did you tell God that you're angry, that you're afraid for your future? Did you tell God how you really feel? Because we love to tell God I'm fine. But really, we're not, and he knows it. He knows it. God's not here just waiting for us to perform to him, although we love, we love, love, love being in a good moment, in a good headspace with God, but God wants realness from you. 
just like you would want from any other relationship. He wants to know honestly that you're not okay and that it's all right. And he wants to love you there in your brokenness. You say, Megan, why? Why? Why would Elijah, or why would God do all this to him? You know, why would he show him the fire? Why would he, the earthquake, why the big show? Like, why, why all that? Because he wanted to show Elijah that God is not always in the big, but he is always in the broken. And that this is what matters to God. Your state of mind, your state of peace, and your understanding about how you feel. Because how are you going to be the head of your household with no emotional, emotional maturity? There's called emotional ignorance. You're raising kids. You're trying to get through life, your job, without being aware of what's going on. And God says, stop and get quiet. Find a place to get alone with me. And let's talk about it. Even Jesus the best Christian of all time, was real with God about how he felt. In Luke chapter 22, verse 4, Jesus is about to die on the cross. It's a familiar feeling, I guess, that Elijah had, about to die. And until this point, Jesus is talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, but he's getting really close to actually having to do it, and it's not very cool with Jesus. He's not feeling excited about going to die on a cross. In, in verse 4, he says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And his anguish, earnestly, means honestly. Jesus was honest with God. And what's important was he had brought his friends with him up to that point, but he had to go a stone's throw away alone to pray with God, sweating drops of blood, telling him, like, if it's possible, God, take this from me because I know it's not about to feel really good. It's a beautiful, real, raw moment of honesty that God desires from each and every one of our relationships. And I want to end with this today. Pastor Joe sent out an email a little while ago to all the Hope Team leaders, and it just wrecked me. And the title of it was, Are You Proud of Yourself? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Click on that. Open the email. And the very first line, like from God, from Pastor Joe, from God, directly to me was, I make myself proud when I admit what I feel instead of denying my feelings. Because I, you, we are the master of going, 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 filling our life with things to do, avoiding talking about it, avoiding the pressures. You know, God gave me this job. I can't complain about it, you know. <laughs> God gave me this life. You know, I don't really want to complain about it. I want to bring it up. Or God, I just, I don't really know what to say. But he's desiring honesty from you today. It's a perfect moment either start a relationship with Jesus, telling him how you feel, or to go to a deeper level with him, which I know we all desire. So today, start with the honesty. Start with the realness, the rawness about where you are. We are in the middle of a pandemic right now. How did it feel when you just lost your job? When you're caring for loved ones that are sick in a hospital? 
when you're doing things that don't feel good, God wants to talk about it with you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice he made, God, and the rawness that he had and a realness that he had experiencing anguish before dying on the cross. And God, I thank you for Elijah who had a real moment of honesty, even serving you, God, doing everything right. It doesn't always feel right. God, I not only thank you for those moments, but I pray that in the midst of them, in the midst of our anxiety right now, trying to do some balancing act, juggling life, God, in the midst of our pain, God, I pray that you would draw honesty from us. I pray against fear in our hearts, God, for being honest with you. God, and I, I pray for anyone who's afraid to touch those emotions for the first time. God, I pray that they overcome this fear to understand that exposing our truth leads to healing, leads to acceptance, leads to deliverance because of you. I thank you for your spirit working, moving in our lives, leading us and guiding us, God, and tenderizing our hard hearts. God, help our flesh to desire you when it seems like we desire everything else. God, help us to be honest and truthful with you, to get alone and have a moment with you because we hear you, and that's what you want from us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.